I think there are a lot of jobs that you can fake it till you make it. I mean, take parenting, for instance. No one knows how to parent when they become one, right? I mean, you just kind of make it up as you go along. And if your kids grow up and they don't become jewel thieves or, you know, bank robbers, you can get dispense advice then, you know. Maybe even write a book. Who knows? You, you, can, you can tell everybody. And if they do, well... You could just blame your parents. It wasn't really my, my fault, you know. It was my parents' fault. I was completely uh, exonerated in this. I remember I used to do sales work. I sold uh, office machines, office supplies. And, and I remember the guy who was training me, his name was Kirk, and he, he was telling me how to do this. And I said, you know, I don't know how to, I've never sold a newspaper, you know. I mean, I delivered them, but I, I never actually tried to sell one. I don't think I could do this. He said, Joe, now think about this. You walk into an office, do they know anything about you? No. They know, they know nothing. You know, they just, the first time they meet you and they see you. Right? Right? I get that. So just fake it till you make it. I mean, pretend, have confidence, act like you know what you're doing, and they'll believe you know what you're doing. And he was right. You know, you could, you could actually do that. It worked. I wondered if Kurt was ever in charge of, like, training airplane pilots, you know? <laughs> Probably wouldn't be such a good thing, right? Fake it till you make it there. When you get on a plane, do you check out the pilot? I, I do. I, I'm like popping my head in the cockpit, you know, looking around. The, the flight attendants are excuse me, sir, you get me in there, you know, that sort of thing. I want to know what kind of person's in the, in the cockpit. I mean, who's flying this plane? I, I've gotten on that plane where it looks like a middle schooler is sitting up there, right? You've been on that one too? And I'm worried about this guy, you know? Have you been trained well enough? You know how to do this stuff? Uh, my buddy always says to me uh, that he has, he has more confidence when he walks in and he sees a, a woman pilot. He says, men land planes and women land passengers. I thought that sounded good, so I always feel much better too now when I see a, a woman. At... I think North Korea has found out that you can't fake rocket science, you know. Um, it, this stuff is real, you know. You have to really know what you're doing in order to... I thought that was funny. Um <laughs> A lot of jobs that you can fake it till you make it, but some that you can't. John's Gospel, I told you this section uh, last week, the section between 13 and 17 is a section about Jesus sort of telling his friends that he's going to die, um, that he's going to leave, and he wants them to carry on God's mission in the world. He wants them to continue to do what he's been doing. And I think they're a bit worried about this. I mean, I think they do love Jesus. They, they enjoy His company. They like Him being around. But I think they're more worried about the fact that they're going to be left alone. They're going to be left to carry the weight of doing God's mission in the world. They need Him. None of them can walk on water. None of them raise the dead or heal the sick or cast out demons, at least not on their own. They know they cannot fake it till they make it. You've been there before, haven't you? Where someone expects you to do more than you can do. Where you say, you know, I just don't think I'm up to that ta task, you know. Hey, listen. If somebody gets an acute case of appendicitis and they're depending on me to perform surgery on them, they are going to die, alright? I mean, that's just what is going to happen. If you go on trial and you depend on Joe Boisel to be your attorney... You're going to jail, you know? I mean, this is just, it's, not going to, it's not going to end well for you, I can tell you that. And I think the disciples of Jesus think, if God's mission in the world is left to us, it's doomed. We're going to fail. We won't, we won't be able to do this. 
And I think Jesus knows that about them. He knows that they know that about themselves. He knows that they have more to do than they can do. This is a huge job. It's it's an overwhelming job. And it's why I think some of the words in the passage that I read today from the gospel are some of the most misunderstood. It sort of sounds like a litany of orders. Will you take the bulletin and look with me just at that passage again in the gospel of John? It... It has these these lines in it. Once you open it, the little numbers there, the verses. Look in verse 10, the second verse. If you keep my commandments. Now slide down to verse 12, a couple verses over. This is my commandment. Verse 14. If you are my friends, you'll do what I command you. Verse 17. I'm giving you these commands. Okay, okay, I got it. You expect a lot from us. You expect us to do a lot of things. I think a lot of people read these passages and they think that Christianity is sort of a a warmed up version of legalism. It's it's Old Testament religion without the dietary restrictions. It's Judaism light. It's still about commands, just not as many. It's still about rules and regulations, just a little less. What does Jesus expect from us? You say... I know the answer to this one. Oh, 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 I know this answer. He expects us to love one another. See, it's right there, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another. You know what? That is not His commandment. Jesus' commandment is not that we love one another. And you're saying to yourself, Oh my goodness, we've got a renegade priest up here. He's got, he obviously hasn't read the text. It's right there, joking. You not see this. Well, the text is actually not written in English. It's written in Greek. And I actually did read it in the original and, and kind of kicked this thing around all week. And it's driving me mad. But here's the thing. Jesus' commandment is not in what's called the imperative voice. He doesn't say, love one another like I would say to my children, go to your room. You know, something that's not up for debate. Do the dishes. This is expected. I'm not asking, right? That's my favorite phrase at my house, by the way. I give a command and I get this kind of, uh, and I say to them, listen, I'm not asking, right? This, is, uh, this isn't a question. This is a command. This is what I expect. Jesus is not saying he commands us to love one another. See, there's this little phrase in Greek. It's called a hina clause. It's, um, it, mean, it was usually translated so that. Uh, we might say something like, I'm going to the store so that I might pick up some milk. Um, I'm going to the store for the purpose of. I give you this commandment so that you might love one another. That's actually what Jesus says. I give you this commandment so that you might love one another. Verse 17, if you looked at the NRSV translation, it's not uh, somehow it got mixed up in the Bible or in the bulletin, but the NRSV translates verse 17 like this. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. What is the command? Well, if you looked at the passage, there's only one word that's in the imperative in this entire uh, verse 9 to 17. This is my command. Abide in me. Remain in me. You see, remain in me for the purpose of so that you might be able to love one another. If you look through verses 13, or not verses 13, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, here's the, here's the command you get. Believe in me. 
Keep my words. Remain in me. Jesus is saying these things over and over. It's not about doing what you cannot do. It's about doing what you can do. Remain connected to Jesus. Christianity is not about keeping a list of rules and regulations. It's not. It's not about following laws. It's not. Yes, there are things that will change in your life if you, if you become a Christian. Yes, there are different ways that you will order your life differently. But it will happen as a result of, not because of. It's not because I'm a Christian I do these things. I do these things because I'm a Christian, because I'm a follower of Jesus. I want, to, I want to paraphrase Jack White right here, but I'll, I'll resist it. No, I won't. You can't take the effect and make it the cause. That's what he said. You should sing it sometime. The White Stripes, great album. Anyway, does the Lord expect us to love one another? They're like, White Stripes, what's the White Stripes? Does the Lord expect us to love one another? Yes, He does. He does expect us to love one another. But that's not the condition. He expects us to remain in Him. And as we remain in Him, all of a sudden His life comes through our life. We're starting filled with joy. We don't know how it happens because it's not our joy. We're suddenly filled with love. How? I don't know. It's not our love. It's the love of the Father coming through us. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, "Um, Christianity has not been uh, found difficult and left untried. It's been found impossible. Excuse me, it's not been found difficult. It has been found impossible and thus left untried. This is the thing. Christianity is not, it's not that it's difficult. It's not that it's hard. It's impossible. The only way to live a truly Christian life is to allow God by His grace to change us. Love your neighbor? Have you ever met my neighbor, really? Actually, my neighbors are great neighbors, but maybe your neighbors are not. Even worse than that, love my neighbor? Don't you know who I am? That I'm a deeply flawed human being who can't possibly do this? You might as well tell me to do surgery. I was at a wrestling meet one time, and they, this, um, this boy got injured. He didn't look like he was badly injured, but he was, you know... His arm was hurting, and so they got on the PA system and said, "Is there a doctor in the, in the you know, is there a doctor in the house? Will you please come down to the scorer's table?" And I thought about getting up and going down there because you know I've actually earned a doctorate, and uh, so that when they said, you know, I could say, you know, I did sleep at a Holiday Inn last night or something like that. You know? Just you know, don't give me something that's difficult. Give me something that's impossible to do. Uh, there's a. Um, in 1976, uh, uh, what is his name? Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith was the last living relative of President Abraham Lincoln. And he donated to the Illinois State Historical Society a portrait of Mary Todd Lincoln. Uh, the story goes that uh, Mrs. Lincoln had this painting uh, commissioned uh, for her husband as a gift. She was going to give him this gift. And um, while they were in the process of, of working on this portrait, President Lincoln was assassinated. And then the portrait was completed after his death, and, and the artist uh, presented it to Mrs. Lincoln, who was so overwhelmed with grief that she said, I, I don't want it. You, take it. So the artist, not knowing what to do with it, takes the painting and keeps it and apparently sells it, and somebody else buys it, and somebody else gets passed around for a while. And then in the 1920s, a member of the Lincoln family buys this piece of art back 
and, uh, and has it in the family for a number of years until, as I said, in 1976, they donate it to the uh, Illinois State Historical Society. And it was hung in the governor's mansion. And for 90 years or so, people went by and looked at that painting and said, oh, isn't that a grand painting of Mrs. Lincoln? It was featured in a biography of Mary Todd Lincoln. The, um, the, the Chicago Tribune ran a st- series of stories on it. National Geographic magazine covered it in a series of, uh, of stories. And then this year, it was sent to an art conservator to, um, to clean the painting. Guess what he found? It's a complete phony. It's a fake. It was actually a painting of a different woman, and some artist has covered it up and made it into a, point, a painting of, of Mrs. Lincoln, apparently to sell to the Lincoln family back in the 20s for an enormous amount of money. It's a complete fraud. And nobody would have known it. For 90 years, people looked at it and said, Wow, what a great point, painting. 90 years, people, almost a century, people looked at that painting and believed that it was Mrs. Lincoln. But it wasn't. You can fool most of the people most of the time. Sometimes you can fake it till you make it. But if you want to be the authentic thing, if we want to be authentic Christians, it's not going to be by a sheer act of our will. Oh, I just want to try harder. The only thing that we should try to do is to remain in Christ. Keep His words. Believe Come to the table, come to the Word, find Him present in our life, and then we'll find that He transforms us, turns us from what we are to what He wants us to be. A true work of art. A true act of God's grace. Then we can really love one another, even as Christ has loved us.